Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your Creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top podcast. This is episode 674 for the 12th of Tishrei in a regular year. The topic of today's Tanya, which is actually the conclusion of an epistle we've been learning, Epistle 20, which has been quite intense if you've been with it in the journey with us so far. The, the, the theme of today is the concept of rebound. So the the principle of rebound, we see this in many places in our life, the, the power of rebound. There's something called the rebound effect that happens with medication. When people stop taking medication for different types of conditions, then often that condition will come back with a vengeance. There's this idea of the rebound hammer test, which is a where, where people take a hammer and it's a way to kind of like measure the thickness of the concrete um, is by having that hitting that hammer in the ground and seeing how much the hammer responds back and pushes back against that. We know there are rebound relationships, right? There's there's all kinds of principles in our life where there's a rebound effect. And the idea of a rebound, the principle of a rebound is that what the rebound does is it's that whatever it is that you are rebounding from, the power of your rebound actually comes back much stronger and greater, right? So you can kind of like think of it as like sort of like a bow and arrow that like, let's say if you had like a bow and arrow and then you are just, if you didn't pull back the bow and if you just kind of tried to throw that arrow, it wouldn't go very far. However, if you pull the bow backwards, if you pull the arrow backwards with the bow, then you create this rebound effect and the the arrow can shoot back much, much, much further. So this is the principle that we're going to be talking about today. And the way that this is this comes up and the relevance that this has in terms of our larger discussion is if you've been following along in the past few episodes, what we've been discussing is really ultimately the the preciousness and the uniqueness of our physical reality and how it's specifically and perhaps surprisingly and perhaps seemingly ironically our physical world, which is the lowest of all of the worlds that God created, that actually is the whole point, that is actually the place where God's will, where God's desire, where God's purpose can be manifest to the utmost degree. And that ultimately God's power, which is the power of ex nihilo, the creation of something from nothing, is manifest most clearly here in this physical world, something that none of the other worlds contain. And we've explored this from many different angles. We talked about how and why this is the case, like where this power of ex nihilo comes from within the source in Malchus Vatsilis, in the feet of Adam Kadmon, things like that. We've we talked about it in terms of the earth element and how it's found within the ground, the 
the earth. But today we're going to focus on it in terms of the, the principle of rebounds, the rebound effect, how it is, which is something that we've sort of been alluding to up until now, but now we're really going to hone in on that, how, it, why it is that our physical world is so special and so powerful is specifically because of this rebound effect. Because the lower something is down here, the higher its source and the higher it can rise up. Just like if you were to take like, to take like a basketball, for example, and if you were to throw it down from like, let's say the first floor of, um, of a house, then it's going to bounce a little bit, right? But if you were to take that same basketball and you were to throw it down from like the 10th or 20th story of a building, it's going to bounce back a lot more powerfully, a lot stronger. And the same principle holds true with spirituality, which is that the lower something is down here, the lower it fell from spirituality, from its source above, the higher, the more powerful it can elevate the greater the intensity of the light that can be lifted up. And this is the principle of what we know in Kabbalah and Chassidus as the idea of Or Choser, the returning light. This is something we've brought up already before. And again, we're going to talk about it a little bit more today. So let's get straight into the text and see how the altar explains all of this. And hopefully we can explain, we can understand it more as we go. So again, for context, we are at the conclusion of this epistle 20 of Igeris HaKodesh. And so, the, so here, the altar of it begins and he says from all of this, from everything we've learned so far. So again, please go back and review if you want to know what everything we've learned so far is, what that means exactly. He says, now we can understand the, 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 um, the hierarchy, the levels in creation of inanimate, vegetative, animal, and human. In Hebrew, those levels are domem, that's the inanimate, somech is the vegetative, chai is the animal, and medaber, the human. Medaber literally means the speaker. That's human beings are referred to as the speaker. And he says that these four levels correspond to the four elements within creation. The four elements are earth, water, fire, and air. So so the inanimate, the domem, corresponds to afar, to, uh, to earth. The tzomech, the, uh, the vegetative level of creation, corresponds to maim, to water. The chai, the animal level of creation, corresponds to esh, fire. And the madaber, the human, corresponds to ruach, to air. So even though, so when we look at this hierarchy of creation, the natural hierarchy, which we've spoken about before, but I'll review it here, is like from below to above, it's like each one above it has something that the one below lacks. So when we start with the inanimate world, the inanimate level of creation, that's the lowest level. These are things like rocks, like dirt, like crystals, uh, like minerals, things like this. These are things that do not move, do not speak, do not have any life to them. They're, they're like, just like these just objects in the world that are just like sitting there. They don't do anything. Then we have the level above that. That's the level of the vegetative, the tzomech. And the advantage of the tzomech is the tzomech has the vegetative life, has the ability to grow. So it still can't go anywhere. It still can't move because it's like, let's say if you have, you know, you have uh, plants or trees or whatever, they're stuck where they are. The, the, the tree that you plant or the flower that's growing in the middle of a field, it's stuck in the middle of a field till the end of its life. But the one thing it does have over the inanimate objects is it has the power of growth to it. Animals have not only the power of growth, but they also have the power of movements. They can move around. They're mobile, right? And humans have all of these things, have the power of growth, have the power of movement, and we also have the power of speech. This is what makes us superior over all of the other creatures in the world, right? So from this hierarchy, it seems very clearly that the human is at the top and the inanimate is at the bottom. 
But now, the ultraverse says, even though it's true that the animal is above the vegetative in the scheme, right? And the human is above the animal. Nevertheless, here's the caveat with all of this. Where does the animal get its nourishment from? The animal get its nourishment from, and it gets its vitality from the vegetative, right? So it's like, how do animals live? They feed off of grass, they feed off the lands, they need water. That's all the realm of the vegetative. And the and the human being receives its vitality from the animal and from the vegetative. So we need those things that are below us. And the ultra robot doesn't say this here, but it's sort of implied is that what does the vegetative world receive its nourishment from? From the inanimate worlds, the dirt, the earth below it, right? So interestingly, we're actually, even though we are in a certain sense higher than all other types of creation, whatever is highest is actually totally dependent upon that which is below it. Whereas the things that are below it are not at all dependent on the things that are higher than it, right? Like rocks do not need humans or plants or anything in order to live or animals, right? Even though we need all of those things below us. And not all, okay. And so going back to the humans. So for humans, we need both the animal life and we also need the vegetative life. And we need these things not only just for our physical vitality, but we actually need this for our, for our minds, for our wisdom and knowledge. As it says, and this is a teaching in the Gemara in Brachos, page 40a, where it says that a child does not know how to call father and mother until it has tasted grain. So this basically is the idea that like you need food in order to think. And then there's another, uh, there's another teaching also in the Gemara in Bava Kama, page 71a, that I, where it says, I have not yet eaten the meat of oxen. And what that's, that's a reference to is this was something that Rav Nachman in the Gemara said to Rava as an explanation as to why the previous evening he wasn't able to give a better answer to the, to the, to the question that was given to him. So sort of like the same idea, like do you ever, you know, just in simple terms, do you ever say to somebody, like somebody asks you a difficult question or something and you say like, you know, I, I haven't eaten yet today. I need to eat something in order to think straight. I find that sometimes, you know, if I, if I don't, before I've eaten in the morning, if I've gone, gone a long time or on a fast day or something like that, it's like, it's hard to concentrate. It's hard to do really difficult things without food. This is aside from the benefits of intermittent fasting and things like that discussion for another time. But basically at the end of the day, very simply put, we do need nourishment in order to live and in order to think think in order to use our brains. And so why is this? So this is this is weird, right? Because it's like if in the hierarchy of creation, really the humans are the highest, then the animals, then the vegetative, then the inanimate, why should we be so dependent on those things that are below us? So this, says the ultra bit, this is the principle of the or joser, the reflective light that comes from below to above, from the the bottommost place of the world of Asiya. Once we understand the principle of the reflective light, it actually all makes sense because what, because as we've been learning, we've been learning about how this whole thing of like this light that we've been describing, this light that ultimately comes from the Kav, which is the source of, of all of creation, Yashmi Ayn, something from nothing is actually not, is it not, is it, it's not only that it's not present here in this physical world and not and here in a diminished way, but it's actually revealed here with more intensity in the sense that, that it's a radiance of a radiance of a radiance. So at first glance, so if you remember this terminology from previous episodes, at first glance, the, the concept of a radiance of a radiance of radiance sounds like it's a diminishment in the radiance. But if you remember, remember how we described the idea of the radiance of the radiance of the radiance, that we said that the first radiance is the light of the sun, 
the second radiance we can think of as and again this is just an analogy but the second radiance is like if that that sunlight reflects off of a prism and then creates this rainbow so that rainbow effect is much more intense than that initial light in a certain sense right like it's much more colorful it's much more it's like it's it like shines it's 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 much it's it, it hits you and then when the person is experiencing that radiance that's the radiance of the radiance of the radiance that's like the true intensity that's where the experience actually happens so there's this idea of like each time the light bounces off it actually becomes stronger it doesn't become weaker and so that's the idea here too is that the ultimate bouncing off point is our physical world down here below and so this radiance of the radiance of radiance is ultimately coming from the or ain't stuff that is so of Kalamin, the infinite light that comes from this level, the transcending all the worlds, which we've spoken about what that means before. It's a very high transcendent light. And it comes from the cove of the or ain't self, the infinite cove that comes, that's at the end of the feet of, of, uh, of the Yosher of Adam Kadmon. We spoke about all of this in previous episodes. I don't want to get into it now too much, but please go back and listen to what that means. But it's basically a very high place. It's the origin of all of the creation ex nihilo. And so this is the source of the light that is manifest here in our physical world. And it radiates back upwards in a way of or hoser, as is explained above in this, in this reflective light. And through this whole principle, now we can understand something very profound. We can understand this, this idea as to why it is that the supernal angels that are found in the supernal chariot, which are referred to as the, the face of the oxen, the face of the eagle, these kind of things. This is a Kabbalistic imagery that is described, describes different spiritual energies. It says about them that these angels actually derive a lot of enjoyment and nourishment from the spirit of the animal and the fowl that would come up to them from the sacrifices on the altar. So now we can understand the power of the sacrifices, because if you think about it again, with this whole order of creation, that it's like, if we go with along with this principle that the lower order of creation nourishes the higher order of creation, if we could follow along with this, this is basically saying that this means that like when we used to give sacrifices uh, in, in the temple, then those sacrifices, the spirit of the sat of the animals that we would bring were actually nourishing the angels, which were higher up above. And this is what the Zohar says. The Zohar explains this, where it says that the, that the they derived a lot of enjoyment from their elements and essence of the um, of these animal sacrifices. And specifically, it says their element in essence as a reference to like, this is an, this is a, a, like pointing out that it's specifically their element, that that animal component of it, like it's again, this reference to the different elements of creation. And so now the ultra rabbi is going to bring this all home. And he's going to say that following this logic, if you've been following this whole chapter so far, this whole journey he's been taking us on so far, then now we can come to really, really appreciate the value of the physical mitzvahs which was the entire purpose of the descent of the souls down here into this physical world. As it says, and this is from Devarim chapter 7, verse 11, Hayom Lasotam, today is the time to do these mitzvahs. And also, this is another, this is a citation from Perkei Avos, chapter 4, paragraph 17, that it's better to have one hour of repentance and good deeds in this world than in all the life of the world to come. And this is the conclusion of this epistle and it ends off where it says this is up until here, this is where what has been found from the writings, the holy writings of the Altar Rebbe in this epistle. So 
possibly there's more that he wrote, but this, this is what has been found. And so, okay, so just to bring that together, bring it home. So the main idea, if you've been following along this very dense epistle that we've been learning, and if you maybe got lost in the weeds a little bit with the Kabbalistic terminology and the spirituality and the abstract terms, the main point of it all, and it's fascinating when you really delve into all the details of it and the intricacies, and I think it's it's really, that's why the Altar Abba brought it in, is really to give us an appreciation of what's going on. The ultimate point of all of it is really to point out the preciousness of our physical world, the preciousness of our physical mitzvahs, and that when we do these physical things in our world, when we, when men put on tefillin, when women light Shabbos candles, when we eat kosher, it's like, it's not, when people say like, what does God care already if we do these physical things? What is it to him if I put on my right shoe, my left shoe? Like, why, why does God care about these kind of things? We can actually, through learning this epistle, we can come to learn that our physical actions very much do matter and that our physical ma actions are actually much more powerful than any other type of action, anything else that exists in any of the other spiritual worlds, because it's only in our physical world, which is Dafka, specifically the lowest of all worlds, in which this rebound effect, in which this principle of the reflecting light, the Orchoser, is so much more powerful and that it reverts straight back to its source. With It's like, it's like we're shooting that basketball from the highest of high all places and thus it's reaching the lowest of lowest points and thus the effects of that rebound basketball is going to be more intense than anything else so that's it and so i hope that all of this was enlightening to you i know there was like just a lot here in this epistle i would encourage you guys to go back and relearn it uh re-listen to these episodes maybe go and look at the text yourself and you know try to mull over these ideas because it's really very deep stuff. And tomorrow we are going to begin a new epistle. So stay tuned for that. And I'll speak to you then. Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast hosted by Sarit Switzer. This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Abraham Yitzhak Ben Binyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Top project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.